Chapter Seventeen of The Long Shadow by B. M. Bower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. Chapter Seventeen. The Shadow Darkens. The inquest resulted to the satisfaction of those who wished well to the pilgrim, for it cleared him of all responsibility for the killing. Gustus Vinstrom had been drunk. He had been heard to make threats. He had been the aggressor in the trouble at the dance. And the pilgrim, in the search men had made immediately after the shooting, had been found unarmed. The case was very plainly one of self-defense. Billy, when questioned, repeated the pilgrim's first words to him, that the Swede had pulled a knife, and told the jury, on further questioning, that he had not seen any gun on the ground until after he had gone for help. Walland explained satisfactorily to the jury. He may have said knife instead of gun. He had heard someone say that the Swede carried a knife, and he had been expecting him to draw one. He was rattled at first and hardly knew what he did say. He did not remember saying it was a knife, but it was possible that he had done so. As to Billy's not seeing any gun at first, they did not question the pilgrim about that, because Billy, in his haste and excitement, could so easily overlook an object on the ground. They gave a verdict of self-defense without any discussion, and the pilgrim continued to be something of a hero among his fellows. Billy, as soon as the thing was over, mounted in not quite the best humor and rode away to join his wagons. He had not ridden to the double crank to hear Flora talk incessantly of Mr. Walland and repeat many times the assertion that she did not see how, under the circumstances, he could avoid killing the man. Nor had he gone to watch Mama Joy dimple and frown by turns and give him sidelong glances, which made him turn his head quickly away. He hated to admit to himself how well he understood her. He did not want to be rude, but he had no desire to flirt with her, and it made him rage inwardly to realize how young and pretty she really was, and how, if it were not for Flora, he might so easily be tempted to meet her at least halfway. She could not be more than four or five years older than Flora, and in her large, blonde way she was quite as alluring. Billy wished profoundly that she had gone to Klondike with her husband, or that Bridger had known enough about women to stay at home with a wife as young as she. He was glad in his heart when came the time to go. Maybe she would get over her foolishness by the time he came in with the round-up. At any rate, the combination at the ranch did not tempt him to neglect his business, and he galloped down the trail without so much as looking back to see if Flora would wave, possibly because he was afraid he might catch the flutter of a handkerchief in fingers other than hers. It was when the roundup was on its way in that Billy, stopping for an hour in Hardup, met Dill at the post office. "'Why, hello, Dilly!' he cried, really glad to see the tall, lank form come shambling in at the door. "'I didn't expect to see you off your own ranch. Anybody dead?' It struck him that Dill looked a shade more melancholy than was usual even for him. "'Why, no, William. Everyone is well. Very well indeed.' I only wrote in after the mail and a few other things. I am always anxious for my papers and magazines, you know. If you will wait for half an hour, you're going home, I take it? That's where I'm sure headed, and we can ride out together, easy as not. We're through for a couple of weeks or so, and I'm hazing the boys home to bust a few hosses before we strike out again. I guess I'll just keep the camp running down by the creek. Going to be in town long enough for me to play a game of pool? I was going right out again, but there's no particular hurry, said Dill, looking over his letters. Were you going to play with someone in particular? 
No, just the first gazebo I could rope and lead up to the table, Billy told him, sliding off the counter where he had been perched. I wouldn't mind a game myself, Dill observed in his hesitating way. In the end, however, they gave up the idea and started for home, because two men were already playing at the only table in Hardup, and they were in no mind to wait indefinitely. Outside the town, Dill turned gravely to the other. Did you say you were intending to camp down by the creek, William? he asked slowly. Why, well, yes. Anything against it? Billy's eyes opened a bit wider that Dill should question so trivial a thing. Oh, no, nothing at all. Dill cleared his throat raspingly. Nothing at all, so long as there is any creek to camp beside. I reckon you got something to back that remark. Has the creek went and run off somewhere? Billy said after a minute of staring. William, I have been feeling extremely ill at ease for the past week, and I have been very anxious for a talk with you. Eight days ago, the creek suddenly ran dry so dry that one could not fill a tin dipper except in the holes. I observed it about noon, when I led my horse down to water. I immediately saddled him and rode up the creek to discover the cause. He stopped and looked at Billy steadily. Well, I reckon you found it, Billy prompted impatiently. I did. I followed the creek until I came to the ditch Mr. Brown has been digging. I found that he had it finished and was filling it from the creek in order to test it, I believe, he added dryly. He found the result very satisfying to himself. The ditch carried the whole creek without any trouble, and there was plenty of room at the top for more. Hell, said Billy, just as Dill knew he would say. But he can't take out any more than his water right calls for, he added. You got a water right along with the ranch, didn't you say? I got three, the third, fourth, and fifth. I have looked into the matter very closely in the last week. I find that we can have all the water there is after Brown gets through. His rights are the first and second, and will cover all the water the creek will carry, if he chooses to use them to the limit. I suspect he was looking for some sort of protest from me, for he had the papers in his pocket and showed them to me. I afterward investigated, as I said, and found the case to be exactly as I have stated. Billy stared long at his horse's ears. Well, he can't use the whole creek, he said at last. Not unless he just turned it loose to be mean. And I don't believe he can waste water even if he does hold the rights. We can mighty quick put a stop to that. Do you know anything about injunctions? If you don't, you better investigate em a lot. "'Cause I don't know a damn thing about the breed, and we're liable to need em bad. "'I believe I may truthfully say that I understand the uses and misuses of injunctions, William. "'In the East they largely take the place of guns as fighting weapons, "'and I think I may say without boasting that I can hit the bull's eye with them as well as most men. "'But suppose Mr. Brown uses the water.' Suppose there is none left to turn back into the creek channel when he is through. He has a large force of men at work running laterals from the main ditch, which carries the water up and over the highland, and I took the liberty of following his lines of stakes. As you would put it, William, he seems about to irrigate the whole of northern Montana. Certainly his stakes cover the whole creek bottom, both above and below the main ditch, and also the benchland above. Hell! Anything else? 
i believe not except that he has completed his fencing and has turned in a large number of cattle i say completed though strictly speaking he has not he has completed the great field south of the creek and east of us but mr walland was saying that brown intends to fence a track to the north of us either this fall or early in the spring i know to a certainty that he has a good many sections leased there i tried to obtain some of it last spring and could not into the voice of dill had crept a note of discouragement well don't you worry none dilly i'm here to see you pull out on top and you'll do it too you're a crackerjack when it comes to the fine points of business and i sure savvy the range into the game so between us we ought to make good don't you think you just keep your eye on brown and if you can slap him in the face with an injunction or anything don't you get a sudden attack of politeness and let him slide i'll look after the cow brutes myself and if i ain't good for it after all these years i ought to be kicked plumb off the earth the time has gone by when we could ride over there and haze his bunch clear out of the country on a high lope with our six guns back in our argument i kind of wish he added pensively we hadn't got so damn decent and law-abiding we could get action a heap more speedy and through with a dozen or fifteen buckaroos that liked to fight and had lots of shells and good horses why i could have the old man's bunch shoveling dirt into that ditch to beat four aces in about fifteen minutes if but as you say dill cut in anxiously we are decent and law-abiding and such a procedure is quite out of the question oh, i ain't meditating no moonlight attack dilly but the boys would sure love to do it if i told em to get busy and i reckon we could make a better job of it than forty-nine injunctions and all kinds of law sharps careful william i used to be a law sharp myself protested dill pulling his face into a smile and i must own i feel anxious over this irrigation project of brown's he is going to work upon a large scale a very large scale for a private ranch you have made it plain to me william how vitally important a wide unsettled country is to successful cattle raising and since then i have thought deeply upon the subject i feel sure that mr brown is not going to start a cattle ranch if he ain't then what i am not prepared at present to make a statement even to you william i never enjoyed recanting but one thing i may say mr brown has so far kept well within his legal rights and we have no possible ground for protest so you see perhaps we would better turn our entire attention to our own affairs sure i got plenty of troubles of my own billy agreed more emphatically than he intended dill looked at him hesitatingly mrs bringer he observed slowly has received news that her husband is seriously ill there will not be another boat going north until spring so that it will be impossible for her to go to him i am extremely sorry then as if that statement seemed to him too bald in view of the fact that they had never discussed mama joy he added it is very hard for flora the letter held out little hope of recovery billy though he turned a deep red and acquired three distinct creases between his eyebrows did not even make use of his favorite expletive after a while he said irritably that a man was a damn fool to go off like that and leave a wife and family behind him 
he ought either to stay home or take them with him he did not mean that he wished her father had taken flora to klondyke though he openly implied that he wished mama joy had gone he knew he was inconsistent but he also knew and there was comfort as well as discomfort in the knowledge that dill understood him very well it seemed to billy in the short time that the round-up crew was camped by the creek that no situation could be more intolerable than the one that must endure he could not see flora without having mama joy present also or if he did find flora alone mama joy was sure to appear very shortly if he went near the house there was no escaping her and when he once asked flora to ride with him he straightway discovered that mama joy had developed a passion for riding and went along flora had only time to murmur a rapid sentence or two while mama joy was hunting her gloves mama joy has been taking the ladies home journal she said ironically and she has been converted to the idea that a girl must never be trusted alone with a man i've acquired a chaperone now have you begun to study diplomacy yet billy boy does she chaperone you this fervent when the pilgrim's the man countered billy resentfully he did not get an answer because mama joy found her gloves too soon but he learned his lesson and did not ask flora to ride with him again nevertheless he tried surreptitiously to let her know the reason and so prevent any misunderstanding he knew that flora was worrying over her father and he would like to have cheered her all he could but he had no desire to cheer mama joy as well he would not even give her credit for needing cheer so he stayed away from them both and gave his time wholly to the horse-breaking and to affairs in general and ate and slept in camp to make his avoidance of the house complete sometimes of a night when he could not sleep he wondered why it is that one never daydreams unpleasant obstacles and disheartening failures into one's air castles why was it that just when it had seemed to him that his dream was miraculously come true when he found himself complete master of the double crank where for years he had been merely one of the men when the one girl was also settled indefinitely in the household he called his home when he knew she liked him and had faith to believe he could win her to something better than friendship all these good things should be enmeshed in a tangle of untoward circumstances why must he be compelled to worry over the double crank that had always seemed to him a synonym for success why must his first and only love affair be hampered by an element so disturbing as mama joy why when he had hazed the pilgrim out of his sight and as he supposed out of his life must the man hover always in the immediate background threatening the peace of mind of billy who only wanted to be left alone that he and his friends might live unmolested in the air castle of his building one night just before they were to start out again gathering beef for the shipping season billy thought he had solved the problem philosophically if not satisfactorily i guess maybe it's just one of the laws of nature that you're always bumpin into he decided it's a lot like draw poker you can't get dealt out to you the cards you want without getting some along with em that you don't want what gets me is i don't see how in thunder i'm going to ditch my discard if i could just turn him face down on the table and count him out of the game old brown and his fences and his darn ditch and that dimply blonde person and a pilgrim oh hell wouldn't we rake in the stakes if i could straightway billy found another element added to the list of disagreeables or to follow his simile 
another card was dealt him which he would like to have discarded but which he must keep in his hand and play with what skill he might he was not the carefree charming billy boyle who had made prune pie for flora bridger in the line camp he looked older and there were chronic creases between his eyebrows and it was seldom that he asked tunefully can she make a pumpkin pie billy boy billy boy he had too much on his mind for singing anything it was when he had gathered the first trainload of big rollicky steers for market and was watching jim bleeker close the stockyard gate on the tail of the herd at tower the nearest shipping point that the disagreeable element came in the person of dill and the news he bore he rode up to where billy just inside the wing of the stockyards was sitting slouched over with one foot out of the stirrup making a cigarette dill did not look so much the tenderfoot these days he sat his horse with more assurance and his face was brown and had that firm hard look which outdoor living brings i looked for you in yesterday or the day before william he said when billy had greeted him with a friendly hello dilly and one of his illuminating smiles i'm ready to gamble old brown has been and gone and run the crick dry on you again bantered billy determined at that moment to turn his back on trouble no william you would lose the creek is running almost its normal volume of water i dislike very much to interfere with your part of the business william but under present conditions i feel justified in telling you that you must not ship these cattle just now i've been watching the market with some uneasiness for a month beef has been declining steadily until now it ranges from two ninety to three sixty and you will readily see william that we cannot afford to ship at that figure for various reasons i have not obtruded business matters upon you but i will now state that it is vitally important that we realize enough from the beef shipments to make our fall payment on the mortgage and pay the interest on the remainder it would be a great advantage if we could also clear enough for the next year's running expenses have you any idea how much beef there will be to ship this fall i figured on sixty or seventy cars said billy instinctively he had pulled himself straight in the saddle to meet this fresh emergency dill with a pencil and an old letter from his pocket was doing some rapid figuring with beef so low i fear i shall be obliged to ask you to hold this herd for two or three weeks the price is sure to rise later it is merely a juggling operation among the speculators and is not justified by the condition of the stock or of the market in a couple of weeks the price should be normal again and in a couple of weeks this bunch will bring the lowest figure they name billy asserted firmly beef shrinks on the hoof like thunder when it's held up and close herded on poor range what you better do dilly is let me work this herd and ship just the top notchers they're all prime beef he added regretfully glancing through the fence at the milling herd i can cut out ten or twelve cars that'll bring top price and throw the rest back in the range till we gather again you won't lose as much that way as you would by holding up the whole works well dill hesitated perhaps you are right i don't pretend to know anything about this side of the business to put the case to you plainly we must clear forty thousand dollars on our beef this fall for the mortgage alone putting it in round numbers we should also have ten thousand dollars for expenses in order to run clear without adding to our liabilities i rely upon you to help manage it 
if you would postpone any more gathering of beef until it's just about the case of now or never billy cut in there's only about so long to gather beef before they begin to fall off in weight then we got to round up the calves and wean em before cold weather sets in we can't work much after snow falls we can pull through the first storm all right but when winter sets in we're done we got to wean and feed all the calves you got hay for and i can save some loss by going careful and taking em away from the poorest cows and leaving the fat ones to winter their calves how much hay you got put up a little over five hundred tons on our place said dill and i sent a small crew over to the bridger place they have nearly a hundred tons there you said for me to gather every spear i could he reminded humorously and i obey to the best of my ability good shot dilly i'll round up eight or nine hundred calves in that'll help some well shall i cut the top off this bunch of beef or throw the whole business back on the range you're the doctor dill rode close to the high fence stood in his stirrups and looked down upon the mass of broad sleek backs moving restlessly in and out and around with no aim but to seek some way of escape the bawling made speech difficult at any distance and the dust sent him coughing away i think william he said when he was again beside billy i shall leave this matter to your own judgment what i want is to get every cent possible out of the beef we ship the details i am content to leave to you for in my ignorance i should probably botch the job i suppose we can arrange it so that in case the market rises suddenly you can rush in a trainload at short notice give me two weeks to get action on the range stuff and i can have a trainload on the way to chicago so quick it'll make your head whirl i'll make it a point to be ready on short notice and before we pull out i'll give you a kind of program of the next three or four weeks so you can send a man out and he'll have some show of finding us and i won't bring in another herd till you send word only you want to bear in mind i can't sit out there on a pinnacle till snow flies waiting for prices to rise in chicago you don't want to lose sight of them nine hundred calves we've got to gather yet it was all well enough for billy to promise largely and confidently but he failed to take into account one small detail over which he had no control so perfect was his system of gathering beef and he gathered only the best so as to catch the top price that when dill's message came short and hurried but punctiliously worded and perfectly punctuated that beef had raised to four thirty and please rush shipment as per agreement billy had his trainload of beef in tower ready to load just three days after receiving notice but here interfered the detail over which he had no control dill had remembered to order the cars but shipping was heavy and cars were not to be had two long heart-rending weeks they waited just outside tower held there within easy reach and upon mighty short feed for the herd by the promises of the railroad management and the daily assurance of the agent that the cars might be along at any time within four hours he always said four hours which was the scheduled time for fast freight between tower and the division point two long weeks while from the surrounding hills they watched long stock trains winding snakily over the prairie toward chicago 
during those maddening days and nights billy added a fresh crease to the group between his eyebrows and deepened the old ones and dill rode three horses thin galloping back and forth between the ranch and the herd in helpless anxiety at last the cars came and the beef a good deal thinner than it had been was loaded and gone and the two relaxed somewhat from the strain the market was lower when that beef reached its destination and they did not bring the top price which billy had promised dill so the shipping season passed and dill made his payment on the mortgage by borrowing twelve thousand dollars using a little over two thousand to make up the deficit in shipping returns and holding the remainder for current expenses truly the disagreeable element which would creep in where billy had least expected scored a point there and once more the castle he had builded for himself and dill and one other lay in shadow. End of chapter 17